Good morning, everybody. Hello. Yes, yes. Excellent. Great to be here with you. I, uh, as Pastor Sam said, I'm Trevor. I'm the youth pastor here. And today we are continuing our awesome series titled How Big Is Your Butt? with the story of Jonah. And this is my first ever public sermon for adults, so I'm very excited. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for being the uh, audience, captive audience, for my first ever sermon. And if you're wondering if I'm embarrassed that my first sermon ever is for a series titled How Big Is Your Butt, I'm not. (laughs) Because today we're not talking about Jonah's behind, we're talking about his butt, right? His, His big excuse for running away from doing something that God wanted him to do. But if you're anything like me, the first, term, the first time I heard about Jonah, it was in Sunday school, and my Sunday school teachers didn't tell me anything about his butt. They just pretty much told me that he ran, or not that he ran away even, that, that he fell into the ocean, and then a whale ate him, and then for three days it was underwater, and then it spit him back out, and that was it, right? But apparently there's a lot more to the story of Jonah. It's kind of like a dark and depressing story, and then you read it and you kind of go, What? And the reason why it's so dark and depressing is because of Jonah's butt. (laughs) Okay, it's because of Jonah's excuse, the, uh, the big excuse he made to get out of doing what God wanted him to do. But God makes him do it anyways. And we're going to see that we are in a similar position as Jonah. Just like Jonah's excuse wasn't good enough to get him out of doing what God wanted him to do, our excuses aren't good enough either. And in fact, there's no excuse good enough to get us out of doing what God wants us to do especially when what God wants us to do has to do with sharing the message of salvation with other people. So today is an evangelism sermon. If you're ready for that, you can buckle your seatbelts. And I'm super passionate about this topic. I picked this sermon on purpose because I love evangelism. I really love the fact that we get the, the prime privilege of sharing God's message of salvation with this world. So to the story of Jonah, we're going to start in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. This kind of sets the uh, stage for what Jonah's going to, what the whole story is about. So, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So, I got to move this down. So, Jonah gets a word from God, and he's a prophet of God, so he's used to this type of thing. He normally gets words from God and delivers them to the people, you know, it's a pretty good job. Jonah's an Israelite, so he normally delivers his message to other Israelites, and I assume that he's happy to do it, but this time, Jonah has to deliver a message to the Ninevites, and he does not want to do that. So what does God do? He runs in the opposite direction. Jonah runs away from God, and this is where we get into like the Sunday school part of it, you know, he goes to the ocean, and he gets on a boat to try to get away, and then there's a storm, and then the sailors are like, what should we do, and Jonah's like, you gotta throw me overboard, because I'm running away from God, so they throw him overboard, he gets eaten by a whale, three days later, he gets spit back out, and then he sings a nice song to God, thanking God that he is rescued, but in all of that, we didn't hear the reason why Jonah ran away from God in the first place. We didn't get to hear about Jonah's butt, his big excuse for getting out of there. And we will find out what his excuse is later. But for now, continuing the story, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah again, and it's the same exact thing. Okay, you didn't get out of it, Jonah. Go to the Ninevites. Um, you, you can take those, uh, those verses down. So uh, he says, go to the Ninevites and tell them the message that I give to you to tell them. 
And this time Jonah goes. So he's not interested in getting eaten by a whale again. I couldn't imagine that that's, uh, that's something that you want to do twice. So he goes to the Ninevites, and this is what happens. In Jonah chapter 3, verses 3 through 10, it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, this is the message, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, the king rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, Don't let people or animals, flocks or herds, taste anything. Don't let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And this is the best part. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Wow. So Jonah preaches the message against the city of Nineveh, and everyone in the city, from the lowest slave all the way to the king, turns away from all their wickedness and turns to God. So if I'm Jonah, that pretty much sounds like a win to me, especially as a Christian, and, you know, I, wanna, I want people to turn away from their sin. I want them to turn to God. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a huge win. Jonah is probably super stoked, you know, walking out of that city like I did it, right? Yeah, so if you know the story of Jonah, you know that that's not exactly what happened. And this is where we get to see the real reason why Jonah ran away from Nineveh. This is Jonah's big excuse. We're going to see Jonah's big old butt, all right? In Jonah, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, he preaches to Nineveh, and this is what happens. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. We see that Jonah's reason for running away in the first place was because he actually wanted Nineveh to be destroyed by God. He didn't want the Ninevites to survive, and he knew that if he brought God's message to them, that they would probably turn away from their sin, and God would probably have mercy, and he didn't want that. That's kind of weird. Why would Jonah want these people to be destroyed? Why would he run away Why wouldn't he be happy when they all turned away from their sin and God gave them mercy? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. So uh, (laughs) I'm going to explain sort of the political background of these two peoples. And just to let you know up front, not every scholar agrees with this reasoning, but I think it's best so. That's what we're going with today. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but people way smarter than me disagree with this, but we're going with this today. So The Ninevites are part of the ancient empire of Assyria, and Assyria was the dominant political force in the region that Jonah's people, Israel, was in. So Israel was a small little place over here in the west, and then Assyria was this massive empire over here 
with tons of political power, a real danger to um, all the regions over here. And this is all happening around the 8th century BC, the middle of the 8th century. And earlier in that century, uh, Assyria had actually launched an attack on the western region. So it was Israel and a bunch of other places. And they defended against Assyria, but Assyria was still a major threat in the region uh, to Jonah and his people. And not only that, but Assyria was known especially for its wickedness. Um, I'm not going to go into detail about that wickedness just because of sensitive ears here, but they were not a good people. And so Jonah has kind of ample reason to want the Assyrians to be destroyed, the Ninevites, especially the capital city of Assyria, to be destroyed. He's like, oh, God, will you please take care of them? Like, they're a danger to us. They're a wicked people. And so I can kind of understand why Jonah wouldn't want to go. It's like, no, I don't want them to repent. I want them to get the punishment that they deserve from God because they're dangerous and they're wicked. And you can kind of understand that, you know. It's like if someone was going to attack your family and then you heard that God was going to destroy them. It's like, oh, man, that sucks. But, like, thank God, like, you know, my family is safe, right? I mean, you can kind of understand it. But from a uh, godly perspective, Jonah's emotions and feelings are still wrong. He's still wrong to want the Assyrians, the Ninevites, to be destroyed. He's still wrong for that. And we as Christians know this. We hear from Jesus in the New Testament that, We're supposed to love our enemies. Jesus says we're even supposed to pray for people who persecute us. So Jonah's attitude is absolutely wrong. And when the Ninevites turn and he gets mad, that's messed up legitimately. So Mr. Jonah the prophet, sorry to say, but you were absolutely wrong for how you felt and for what you did running away. You should have wanted the Ninevites to be saved. You shouldn't have wanted them to be destroyed, and you shouldn't have gotten so angry. What do you have to say for yourself, Jonah? One second. You get it because Jonah got swallowed by a fish, so now he's like a fisherman. (laughs) Okay, okay. Yeah. Is this funny to you? You're right. I was wrong for how I felt. I knew that if I brought that message to those Ninevites, they would probably turn, and I didn't want them to turn. I knew that what I had was a message that could save them, a message of salvation, but I didn't want them to be saved. They could have destroyed my people. They could have hurt everyone I knew. And plus, they're so wicked. Why why would God want to save them? But even so, I should have brought that message of salvation. I shouldn't have been so hard-hearted. But I'm not the only one around here with a, hey, someone's phone is going off in here. What the heck? Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Jumping back in. All right. I'm not the only one around here with a message of salvation that they're supposed to bring to people, am I? No, no. You Christians got a message of salvation, don't you? that you're supposed to bring to people, aren't you? Some message about Jesus, how he can save them from their sins. And you always bring it, right? When God calls you to, you always bring it? Oh, no, you don't. You're just like me. We're in a similar situation. You got a message too, and you know you should bring it, but sometimes you don't. 
And I had my excuses. Oh, it was a good one, too. And God didn't let me out of it, so your excuses must be real good for why you don't bring it, huh? Your excuses must just be great. When I hear about your excuses, they don't seem so great. Oh, I don't want to tell that person because I'm nervous. I don't want to tell that person because I don't really want to. I want to go watch TV. I don't, I don't have time or I don't make time. Those are the kind of excuses that you make. So don't judge me for making excuses to getting out of bringing a message of salvation. We are in the same boat, so to speak. Wow. Convicting words from the prophet Jonah. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't have to say that because that was some hard stuff. (laughs) If you get mad at someone, all right, get mad at him. All right. But he's right. We do have a message of salvation that we're supposed to bring. And we often make excuses not to bring it. And our excuses aren't always that good. And I, as a Christian, have definitely made excuses to get out of telling people about Jesus. As a Christian, I believe that every human being is a sinner and will be punished for their sins in hell. But I also believe that Jesus died on the cross for those sins so that people who believe in him can go to heaven. And I believe that I'm, the, I'm supposed to be the one to tell them about that and that if I tell them, they might believe in Jesus and be saved for eternity. And still sometimes I don't tell people. And when I try to think of a good excuse for why I don't tell people, I never have one that's good enough. I just let the opportunity pass me by. And there is an example of this happening in my life, a very sad example, and it was with my grandpa, my grandpa John. So I grew up in a Christian house going to church, um, and I always believed what the Bible said about heaven and hell and salvation through Jesus, and I knew that if my grandpa didn't believe, he wasn't going to go to heaven, and I knew that my grandpa didn't believe. So I always thought, oh, maybe I should tell him, like, maybe I could tell him. I knew my mom and my uncle had talked to him about it before, but he didn't listen to them, but maybe he would listen to me. But whenever I wanted to share it with them, I always just got too nervous, and so I didn't, or, you know, then I just kind of stopped caring about that kind of stuff, and so I never told him, and then he died. And as far as I know, he didn't believe before he died. Now, he might have in his last moments. He, he really might have. You know, there are people telling him in his last moments, like, hey, you still have a chance, but I don't know. And now for the rest of my life, I'll have to wonder what would have happened if I had told him. And the only reason why I didn't is because I made all these excuses to get myself out of it. And I share that story because I think that many uh, people in the church and in our church at Jericho Road, do the same thing. We really believe what the Bible says about sin and death and heaven and hell. And you really believe that people could be saved if they believe, but you still don't tell them to believe. And I'm just wondering, are the reasons why you don't tell them good enough reasons? So you might say, you know, I'm too tired today. I'm too nervous. That's not really my personality. I don't think it would really go well. But honestly, are are those good enough reasons not to share about the message of salvation with people? I don't really think they are. And if Jonah's reason wasn't good enough to try to get out of being destroyed, literally, then our petty reasons aren't good enough either. 
Okay. Let me offer a caveat on this teaching because it can't be taken as a universal. So I'm saying there's no good reason to not share with someone, but okay, there are some good reasons, but they're godly reasons. So God tells us to share God's message of salvation with people, but he also tells us to take care of our families. So you can't be like, oh, no, like, i got to share the message of salvation so I can't go watch my kids' recital or their, like, game. You know, like, okay, don't do that. That is, like, a legalistic way of thinking about it. And I got really into that, you know, like, oh, like, I just got to, don't do that. But what I am talking about is developing a lifestyle where sharing God's message of salvation is a regular part of that lifestyle so that we don't go days, weeks, months, years, even without telling anyone about Jesus. And church, I don't know your hearts. I don't know your lives. I don't know you outside of these walls as well as I could, as well as I wish I did. But I would guess that our church is not in danger of doing the legalistic version of this. In other words, we're not in danger of sharing the message so much that uh, it becomes harmful in our lives. What I suspect is that we need to be, as a church and as individuals, sharing the message of salvation far more regularly than we do now. Again, I don't know your lives, but that's definitely what I need to be doing, and I think it's what a lot of you need to be doing as well. But the reason we don't do it is because of these excuses that we make. We pile them up to high heaven to get ourselves out of sharing the message. So I have devised this thing called the Jonah test to see if the excuses we're making are valid. Basically, if God didn't let Jonah out of bringing the message because of his excuse, then God's not going to let us out either, especially if our excuse is worse than his. So you just take any excuse that you're planning on making and just compare it to Jonah's excuse. So let's say you know there's someone who you've got to share the message with, but you don't want to because you feel embarrassed. That's your excuse. You feel embarrassed. Oh, no, it's too embarrassing. Well, you compare it to Jonah's excuse. So Jonah's excuse to try to get out was, oh, they might destroy us if they live. Well, is my excuse better than being literally destroyed? No, it's not. So if God didn't let Jonah out of it, he's not letting me out of it either. I better go do it. Right? The Jonah test. All right, let's do one more example. Imagine there's someone in your life share the message of salvation with, but you don't want to because you feel like you'd rather go home and watch TV instead. That's your excuse. Oh, my my Tuesday night's going to get ruined, right? So put that excuse through the Jonah test. Did God let Jonah out of bringing the message even though the Ninevites could have destroyed and ruined his entire country? No, he didn't. So God's not going to let you out of bringing the message just because your Tuesday night's going to be destroyed and ruined. All right? That's the Jonah test. And it's an easy, quick way to figure out if the excuses that we're making are valid or not. And the Jonah test is good. I really hope that you implement it in your lives. But then we get to the issue where we believe what Jesus says about salvation. We know we should bring the message. We know there's no good reason not to, and we still don't bring it anyways. And that's because it's not an intellectual issue that keeps us from bringing it. It's a heart issue. And we need a change of heart, not just a change of mind, so that there will be no reason why we won't tell someone about Jesus. There will be no reason why we don't bring the message of salvation. And the way that we need to get a change of heart is by looking at God's heart. When we understand that God's heart is for people, we can align our heart with his so that 
when we share the message of salvation, we don't do it in like a wrong or legalistic way or anything like that, but we do it for good and godly reasons. And to do this, we're going to look at the reason why God sent Jonah to Nineveh in the first place. And we saw Jonah's motives for running away, but what were God's motives for sending him? So back to the story. All the Ninevites repent. Jonah gets angry. After Jonah gets angry, God decides to teach Jonah a lesson. So Jonah is sitting outside the city. He's actually still hoping that it'll be destroyed. And God provides a leafy plant to grow up over him, to shade him from the hot sun. And Jonah's so happy about the plant. But the next day, God provides a worm to eat the plant so that the plant withers and dies. And then Jonah is furious. And he's so angry that the plant is dead that he wishes he himself were dead. And this right here is where we're going to get to see God's reason for sending Jonah. God's reason for sending the message of salvation to the Ninevites. God says, is it right for you to be angry about the plant, Jonah? Jonah says, it is right. I'm so angry, I wish I was dead. And now, in chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, this is how God responds. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. So should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their left hand from their right hand? and also many animals. God says to Jonah, you care about this plant, but you didn't even take care of it. You didn't plant it, you didn't make it grow, but you still so angry about it. So why shouldn't I care about the Ninevites? Why shouldn't I care about people who need my help and direction? Even if they're wicked, even if they're dangerous, Jonah, why can't I care about them? The reason why God sent Jonah to the Ninevites is because God loves the Ninevites. God loves this wicked people, the Ninevites. And if you were Jonah, if you were Jonah or any other Israelite, you'd be like, God loves the Ninevites? Those wicked Ninevites? Yes, God loves the Ninevites. He sees how wicked they are, and because of their wickedness, he will bring judgment on them, but he doesn't want to. He would rather that they turn from their wickedness and turn uh, to God because God loves them. And in the same exact way, God loves people that we know today. He wants them to know him. He sees that they're sinful and he says, oh man, if only they would turn to me and believe in me. God loves those people and just like he sent Jonah to the Ninevites, he wants to send you to them. Now, I have a story about a time when I actually did go. Oh, I had excuses, y'all. Oh man, they were good ones too. But I just put those to the side And I just went and talked to some people about the message of salvation. I was playing basketball, and you know, if you watch the um, if you watch the old guys versus young guys basketball game, you'll know that I'm trash. So I was playing, and then after I got done playing, I had that feeling, you know, that like, oh, should I talk to these people about Jesus? Feeling, oh. But, you know, I made my excuses. I was like, no, it's too late. No, they might not want to hear it. I just piled them up, you know. So I walked to my car, excuses in hand, and then I got to my car and I was just like, you know what? What's the harm? So I walked back to the basketball court, and there were these two guys just sitting there on the bench, you know, easy picking. So I just walked up to them, and I was like, hey, I'm a Christian. Um, I was wondering if I could share my faith with you. And they were like, Sure. And so I asked them some questions, you know, about what they believed about God, and they told me, you know, oh, you know, I don't know if I believe, I'm not really a Christian. And so I just answered, I just kind of uh, shared with them about God based on their questions and stuff like that. 
And it was great. And then I got to share about Jesus and how, you know, um, we're sinners, but Jesus died for our sins so that we could go to heaven. And they understood. And it was awesome. And then one guy asked me a question. He was like, well, what about this and this? You know, and I was like, oh, this and this. And he was like, oh, it was great, you know. And, uh, and that was it. And as far as I know, those guys didn't, like, get saved on the spot. But I still was faithful to share God's message of salvation with them. And I definitely planted a seed. You know, I, I, I could see it. And as much as I care about those guys and wanted to tell them, God cares about them even more. God has been thinking about them from before the foundation of the world. And he's uh, been trying to reach out to them since the day they were born, saying, come to me, come to me. And now I come up just, oh, can I talk to you about Jesus? And God's like, let's go. Like, I'm totally going to use this to, like, you know, help bring them closer to me. God's in heaven just like, yes, 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 let's do it. God loves the people around us. He loves them so much. And just like God used me to share that message with two people, God wants to use you too. It's because God loves your friends and your coworkers and those random people at the thing and then the other people at the baseball game. God loves all those people. Now, because of their sins, just like us, before we believe, he's going to punish them. But he doesn't want to. So he's sending you to tell them, hey, this is my message. He's sending you to tell them that Jesus died for their sins and that they can go to heaven if they believe in him. He's sending you out saying, go get that person for me. I love that person. Can you go get them for me? Because he loves them. So please, let's go out with this message of salvation. Let's tell people, hey, you know, there's a great danger, just like Jonah, in 40 days. But let's tell them that there is a Savior who can save them. And since Jonah's excuse wasn't good enough, our excuses aren't good enough either. And there's no excuse good enough not to share. So let's stop making excuses, get our big butts out of the way, and go into this world with God's message of salvation and the love that he sends us with. And this, uh, this part of the message is specifically for people like, who might be here or who might be watching online who don't believe in Jesus. Um, I have a message of salvation for you. So uh, everybody on earth is a sinner. And because of those sins, God's going to punish us in hell. But he doesn't want to. So he sent his son to die for our sins so that if we believe in him, we can go to heaven forever, receive eternal life. So if you'd like to go to heaven, you, know, you can put your faith and trust in Jesus and receive eternal life. That's the end of the message. Um, I forgot to do the thing where Pastor Sam puts the thing down and then the worship band comes up. So I'm just going to stand up here and, you know, pray us into our time of worship. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much uh, for the message of salvation that saved me first. Uh, thank you so much for the message of salvation that saved these people. We just thank you for that, Lord. And um, we pray that you would uh, give us boldness and strength to go out into this world with your message that we would share it with people and see your goodness in how they respond and understand that you have a heart for these people even more than we do. And any tears or prayers that we've shed for them, you've shed more, you've prayed more, Lord. So I pray that we would go out. And I pray that the people that you send us to would receive it well and believe in you and receive eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for all your goodness. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.